Welcome to Recess Duty, a podcast for educators to come together to share struggles, but also celebrate successes by sharing stories and ideas in a safe and supportive environment to collaborate with one another. Here's your host, Levi Allison. Hey everyone, this is Recess Duty with your host, Levi Allison. And today we're talking with IB educator and leader, Michelle Simpson. We'll be discussing their journey and experience in education. Thank you so much for joining us, Michelle. How are you doing today? Hi, Levi. I'm doing well, thank you. And nice to see you again. Absolutely. We were just sharing about how we met, what, three, four years ago at like an IB little workshop in Shanghai. You came all the way from Oman. I came across the street. Now I'm in Korea. Tell everybody (laughs) where you are and a little bit about yourself. Great. Well, I'm back in New Zealand now, Levi. I obviously was in Oman and I was there for seven years as the primary principal. And um, I decided I needed to finish my master's in educational leadership. So I came back to New Zealand um, for a year off. I guess that I was quite lucky because that coincided with the COVID pandemic. You know, it just so happened that I was coming back to New Zealand anyway. So It's been um, a good year for me to study and not have the pressure of working at the same time. I'm doing a little bit of other work on the side, some relieving and some concept-based math planning. And yeah, I finished my my master's last week and now I'm just enjoying all that New Zealand has to offer. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. (laughs) So with just finishing it, what is something that you're really excited to share with people after finishing it? Hey, look, it was a long journey. and um, But what was really interesting was my thesis was around women in educational leadership. What I really wanted to find out was, you know, what is it like out there really for women in these positions or accessing these positions? Mm-hmm. And while I looked at it through the lens of Australia and New Zealand, a lot of the research was garnered from around the world you know, it just gave me some insights into the struggles that women have in terms of accessing senior leadership, i.e. principalships or heads of schools, and what women can do to help each other, you know, to navigate these barriers. And, you know, what was really good about the research was that it was becoming, you know, more equitable across the board. But of course, the conversation is shifting around to diversity now as well. So, the reading was shifting, but um, a great learning journey and uh, exciting things uh, moving forward, hopefully for myself and for other women. I know that is something that we are all looking towards growing in our own understanding of what DEI is and mm. how we can be an ally in diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm. You mentioned about your research about saying, what can women do for others? Is there something that we can all do to empower women across the board? You know what? The biggest thing I found in my research was women really lack confidence. Um, That was the key finding across the board. Um, Women seemed to think they needed to be better educated, have more qualifications, spend more time um, practicing in, you know, an interim role or a deputy role, that kind of thing. And so I think the biggest thing that I found was having um, supportive mentors. And some people said, oh, you need female mentors. And some people said, no, it doesn't matter. And I would say it doesn't matter. You just need a really good mentor or a board of directors, I think. Um, I came across that term in a different study where you have a group of people that you rely on 
for um, certain aspects of your life. And I think it's really important to have that board of directors in terms of um, boosting your confidence mm -hmm. and having people to talk to about where to next. Yeah, that was the biggest thing. I think we can do that for, for all women, but we can do that for each other as well. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's not just women that lack confidence when they're applying for jobs. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we talk about job applying on Twitter all the time and about how you get those butterflies in it because you never know where you are when you apply for something. Mm. You like you look at all the the uh, requirements that they're looking for and you're like, oh, I only meet seven out of 10 or I don't even meet half. And then you're like, oh, just apply. And it's funny because, you know, we've all been in that situation where we're looking at uh, not getting the role and then knowing who does get the role. And then you're like, yeah. oh, I should have applied a little bit harder. Yeah. And I think you're, you're right there where it's say, you know, and that was some of the research found that, that, you know, men sort of go, oh, yeah, I meet five out of ten of those. I'm going for it. But women think they have to meet all ten and mm -hmm. therefore they don't apply or they put off applying until they've made sure they meet all ten criteria. And so my new motto is, right, I meet five of those, I'm going for it. Yeah. And, it and, you know, Levi, we were having a bit of a chat online the other day and you and you kind of reminded me of that, of valuing myself. And um, you just said a couple of things like, you know, I'm going for that because, yeah, I am good enough and I can do this job, you know, and if they don't take me, that's okay because there's a better school out there for me. Agreed. And like we just said before we, we started, I, I always say, you know, you were meant, you were where you were meant to be. And if you didn't get this job, it's going to be another job. And yep. Michelle, again, like with one IB course, I was like, obviously, this is a great leader. You know, exactly. You know how to lead culture. You know how to, to change culture effectively and responsibly and positively. And it's just apparent, you know, what you shared on LinkedIn and your conversations across the last few years. It's been amazing. Can you talk to us about... I know previous school where you were changing culture and stuff and how do we shift mindsets? How do we shift a culture into becoming more diverse, equity, equitable, sorry, and inclusive? I think it's not easy yeah. is what I will say. I don't think it's easy. I think that people are more aware now though. And because that is, like I said, when I was doing my research, that's what I'd found. The, the conversation has shifted to diversity. And you see that in job applications now that people are, you know, they are promoting a more um, diverse work environment. They're looking for more diverse range of people to hire and to be involved in their institutions. So I think that the topic is becoming um, more prevalent. And therefore, I hope that that will help the shift in culture. But shift in culture takes time. You know, your structural changes happen can happen really quickly, but your cultural changes happen slowly. And you have to move slowly to um, change culture. I think it's important, when I was doing my work around culture, we did make some structural changes in terms of, um, you know, making sure we had a cafe for staff and a place where people could meet to be together because we didn't have a staff room. And so we made little changes in terms of the structure of our buildings and the way things were laid out. But the cultural change, we really hit that by looking at our values, 
you know, what are your personal values? How are your values aligned with the mission and vision of the school? How do the values shape how you behave? Because, of course, people don't see my values, but they do see my behavior. And my behavior is shaped by my values, you know. And so then it was also, okay, so how does that impact the way I work as a team? You know, so my values drive my behavior. My behavior drives how I interact as part of a team. And, of course, schools are made up of small and large teams. But ultimately, we're all one big team with the ultimate aim of being there to serve students and children because we all want, you know, to promote student learning. So I drove my cultural change through values, basically, and Mm -hmm. asking teachers to take a look at their values. I don't know if you're familiar with the T-shirt activity, but, you know, on the front of your T-shirt has your value. And then on the back of the T-shirt is what people would say about you on the back of your T-shirt if you left the room. And so what we did was we... said, you know, okay, pick your 10 values. And then we had narrowed it down to five. And it was really, you know, you have to have good, strong relationships with your staff and be building this trust as you go along the way. But it's like, okay, I've got this on the front of my T-shirt. For example, say honesty. I've got honesty on the front of my T-shirt. But what would people say about me as I left the room if we were talking about honesty? You know, would that match? And those are hard conversations to have with yourself. Mm-hmm. let alone with other people. But knowing what your values are and how you live your values, I think is is really a strong part of building culture. And then we moved on to, um, you know, above the line and below the line, you know, familiar with the line of choice, you know, mm-hmm. taking responsibility. Actually, you know what, I mucked up or I made a mistake, and I, you know, and I recognize that as opposed to, you know, below the line where you're blaming someone else. And I think that's really important to own your mistakes. When when you own your mistakes, people, they don't, they've got not a leg to stand on. If you say, yeah, "Yeah, you know what, I marked up, I'm really sorry, and I'm going to make a real effort to be better. It's like, hey, that's all you can ask for in in a colleague or a co-worker, isn't it? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we all make mistakes, right? Let's be honest. We're all human. And so it's, it's, it was above the line, below the line. And then we drove it also through teacher agency. Because I think um, particularly in IB schools, agency is, is a new buzzword. Well, well, it's not new anymore, but it was. And um, we did a lot of work around student agency. But for us, it was really about teacher agency. So what is our role in this? And I was really lucky in my school because I had the support of my head of school, the secondary principal, and I had two amazing PYP coordinators. And Levi, you met one of them. Yes, Um, I did. Yep. And so I was so lucky to have those people helping me, particularly my PYP coordinators. Mm -hmm. And we really drove a lot of the work through teacher agency. And we ended up coming up with what we termed the the banana, (laughs) which... It had a circle in the middle and, you know, it had three banana shapes on the outside. But we came up with 12 um, key terms that if you were part of our school, this is what it looks like at our school. And, of course, the IB Learner Profile was in there, but along with many other things that um, helped to support the culture with our school. And this became, you know, a laminated document um, that we shared around the school that all new staff became familiar with. And that 
became that driving force to keep maintaining the culture because, of course, things are only good if you can sustain them, right? And that's what's so difficult about cultural change is you can make it, but can the school sustain it? And hopefully, um, I'm no longer at that school, but hopefully the agency banana is still going. And um, But it was, it was a piece of work that I was really proud of. And I was really lucky to do that as part of a team. And I think that's something that's really important as a leader is you are much stronger when you work together. And I love working with other people. It's just really empowering for, for everybody and really exciting because everyone comes with so many strengths to the project. I just am so enamored right now because I just sitting here listening. I'm like, gosh, I wish I was at that school. Like, and just so excited because like, it does sound like you were a collaborative effort on building culture and moving culture to a more student agentic learning environment. And it was just, that just sounds so exciting. And oh my goodness, I'm so very much jealous of your teams and all the work that you've done so far. And you are right. You know, I had a principal that once told me that he worked very hard to acknowledge every mistake he made because, because he said, the moment I don't is when all those years of relationships are broken. And he said, and I have to be the change I want to see. If I want my students to acknowledge mistakes, if I want my Mm. teachers to acknowledge mistakes, then I need to acknowledge them first and foremost. And that Mm. that stuck with me for a very long time because Mm. as you said, we all make mistakes and it is okay to make mistakes and we're all learners at the Mm. end of the day. So Michelle, Mm. what are some mistakes that you've made along the way and how have you overcome them? Because I can imagine, (laughs) because I can imagine being an agent of change, there comes mistakes. There, there, there does come mistakes. And I think um, before I took on the principal role in my school, I was a teacher there. And I was like, right, you know, and I knew that I, you know, I'd applied for and been accepted for the principal. And I still had a bit of time in the classroom before I took on the role the next year. And I was like, oh, I know what I'm going to change when I get into that position, you know, and I had a wee list on my desk. Of all the things that I wanted to change that I had seen as a teacher that I thought, no, this has to change. And I think one of the mistakes, and I I possibly stopped short of doing it, but it was pretty close, was you can't make change just like that. Mm. And you can't just go in and say, right, this is changing and so be it. Because actually... You've got to build those relationships first because I went from being people's colleagues to being their boss. And that was really difficult. And I made mistakes along that way because I I couldn't, wasn't, didn't know how, didn't step away enough. I was like, oh no, they're still my friends. And what was really sad, and I don't know if it's true in all leadership positions, but having friends, there's such a fine line between having friends and being the leader. I don't know if I'm explaining that very well because I'd worked with them for so long. We were friends. And then I stepped into this role of leadership. It really changed my relationships with those people. And I didn't hand, I don't think I handled that well. They were very gracious. Um, My staff were very gracious and we did find our, you know, we had a great team in the end, but it took me a lot of time to earn their trust and to find our place again where I was the, the leader but still a colleague and somewhat of a friend, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Absolutely. And yeah. we've all 
heard so many stories of staff that were being promoted within and how that changed the relationships with their colleagues. You know, I've also had a friend in Shanghai who's told me multiple times, I have never been promoted within. I go to a different school as a different leader because then that's what I am known as. I don't have to worry about quote unquote changing how I act. This is just me. This is the role I've been. And You know, having heard similar stories, just like yourself, it is really tough. I can imagine it is very tough. I've never experienced that, but I can imagine that is really tough to go from this colleague friend situation to a very more of a leader or Mm. boss situation. So, yeah, yeah, that would be. I think trust is a big one there because I think it becomes different who you can trust when you're in that leadership position, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I probably made some mistakes along the way in that. And and of course, you know, as a leader, if you want to seek change, you have to take risks, right? Mm-hmm. And I would never have said I'm a risk taker, it, but if you want to elicit change, you have to take risks. And with risk comes the chance of making mistakes. But I, like I said before, if you own them and I, and I have just acknowledged them straight away, I've said, you know what? I'm really sorry to my whole staff one day. I said, I'm really sorry about this. And I just, because I'd heard people chatting and it had got back to me and I thought, right, I need to knock this on the head by owning it myself. And I did. I just had a staff meeting, owned it. And it was great because we all, it was just like this, oh, okay, elephants out of the room now. And we all moved on. And I think that was very powerful, you know, owning your mistake. It helps you move on. It helps your staff move on. It helps to keep building that trust and build those relationships. And it also lets your staff see, hey, she made mistakes. She owned it. I can make mistakes and we can still all move on and still work together because this is what we're about. We are are learners as well. We're not just teachers, right? We are learners. We want our student learners to make mistakes and take risks with their learning we want our teachers to make mistakes and take risks with their learning because if you don't make mistakes you don't learn as much and gosh you learn a lot when you make a mistake (laughs) isn't that the truth (laughs) one of the again I go back to like a colleague of mine who always said she she said you know I try really hard not to be the quote-unquote teacher because there comes with a, a value on that, on that word of what it means to be a teacher. Oh, I'm all knowing. I know everything. Students don't. Yeah. And she said, no, we're all students in here. And how she yeah. broke that down. She's like, I've just been a student longer. She's like, I know how I learn better. I know how to solve problems a little bit faster. And yeah. she's like, what my goal is, is to help you learn a little bit of these little strategies. Yeah. And I will tell you what. I have never seen such relationships with students and teachers as that class because Mm. I truly believed in that little classroom, they had a culture of trust and knowing that they could make mistakes, that they were all learners. There was going to be no judgment from anyone. And that is something that I try to do. I, I don't know if I do it as well as she did, but it is something I definitely aim for across the board. Now, practice makes perfect. Do you know what they say? Oh, uh, uh, being a musician, I have heard that more times than not. (laughs) (laughs) So, Michelle, what is something you wish you would have known before you started being a teacher or a leader? Wow, I'm not sure. I think I'm glad I didn't know how difficult it would be because I might not have taken it on. And I, I wish I'd known. 
gosh, I don't know, Levi. That's a tricky one. I, I probably wish I had more confidence in myself, more belief in myself, mm-hmm. um, more trust in myself. You know, I was lucky, like I said, I had really sort of PYP coordinators who really trusted me and they really helped. I don't know, Levi, I can't answer that question. I'm sorry. Don't be sorry. (laughs) I'll think about it at 2 a.m. this morning and I'll be, (laughs) oh, that's it. (laughs) No worries. You know, I always think like, you know, I don't have the most experience. I don't. Mm. But I always think, what do I wish I would have told Mr. Levi on that first day of school? Mm. And honestly... I always go back and I don't remember the class. I don't remember the lesson, but I just remember how horribly, horribly painful my feet felt. <laughs> better and, shoes. Yeah. Better shoes. I, wow. I wish I would have told younger Mr. Levi, wear better shoes or wear tennis yeah. shoes. I yeah. thought I, I, <laughs> I don't remember that. I don't remember the lesson. I don't remember the, the kids on that very first day, mm. but I definitely remember my gosh, my feet hurt. Mm. <laughs> so and those now, shoes now went to the I've trash <laughs> quickly. <laughs> you know what I've got? I've got it, Levi. You know what I would have wished I'd told my younger self is you need to smile more and relax and enjoy and enjoy the journey. But smile, smile more, relax and enjoy. Oh, yeah. no. That, uh, yeah, especially in a time where, you know, where it's pandemic and I feel like we're going right back to where we started. We're going 90 miles an hour or 180 kilometers an hour and we are just full, full steam ahead and we're not taking time as, you know, educators to self-reflect and take care of ourselves. And I wish, I really wish that for everybody, they just take a moment because I think we would do so much better. You know, I, the best thing I ever did was get a dog. And my 30 minutes every day walking Weston without a phone is, yeah. is something I look forward to every single day. And it's, yeah. it's very helpful. It really is. And you're right. I think it's just that, you know, the pandemic's really throwing everybody. I don't think anybody thought we'd live through this. But, you know, we just have to have trust, trust in the universe and, and faith that it will all work out in the end. And, again, you, you have to keep putting one foot forward. You have to keep smiling. You know, you just have to keep going along on the journey, but at the same time finding, as you have, you know, going for a walk every day with your dog. And for me, I was lucky. I, you know, I came home to study and I finished my study and now I'm enjoying, you know, time with my parents and my children and just um, making the most of every day. And I think probably the pandemic has forced a lot of us to rethink you know, our priorities. We still are just as passionate and just in love with our jobs as we ever were, if not more so. Mm-hmm. But it's also about you need to take care of yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anyone else. You know, if you're a teacher, you can't take care of your students. If you are a leader, you can't take care of your teachers, you know. So mm-hmm. you do have to take care of yourself. That's you know, very important. Well, that analogy is you can't pour from an empty bucket keeps coming back every single time I hear that I'm like all right Levi gotta fill fill your bucket up fill your bucket up you filled everybody else's up with nice songs and all that fun stuff gotta do you so Michelle where can people find you if they want to connect with you and continue their learning with you yeah sure I'm on LinkedIn Levi and I'm happy to be in touch with email I do have a Twitter account I'm not 
<laughs> I'm not so okay with my Twitter account, but I should get better. <laughs> then that that's okay, Michelle, because we can link all of those in the show notes down below. Perfect. Great. No, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Of course. Of course. And Michelle, we asked all guests here at Recess Duty, what do you remember about mm-hmm. recess or playtime growing up? Well, growing up for me, I grew up in the country at a country mm-hmm. school. We had to two rooms and our toilet was outside and we had a potbelly fire uh, in the corner, which we used to cook our toast on in the morning when we went to school. But recess for us was, I don't know, people would bring their horse to school or I took my pet owl one day and we just put it out in the playground and then the guy came to mow the lawn. So we all raced out to get the owl because we were worried it was going to get squashed by the lawnmower. Oh, no. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So that's one thing I remember from recess. But we had a little country school and, you know, it went from new entrance to grade six. Um, there weren't that many of us, maybe, I don't know, 30. So everybody knew everybody and everyone just played on the playground together. Uh, we, we had monkey bars. We had trees that you could climb, uh, you know, swinging ropes, all sorts of things that are no longer allowed in many schools. Oh. Um, you, you know, we played scrag and brandy, you know, where you throw the tennis ball as hard as you can and try and brand someone. Oh, no. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, we played all those sorts of things, rugby, tackle, whatever. So for me, recess when I was growing up was um, probably very different for kids nowadays, yeah, especially being out in the country. Yeah, Of course. I think recesses today is different for everyone versus what we yeah, what we used yeah. to do. I remember, you know, playing Foursquare with friends, yeah. having to draw the chalk on the sidewalk. Because yeah. it wasn't already there. And I yeah. see, we have a chalker here at Chadwick, uh, Foursquare Chalk. And I was like, this would have been so cool not have to redraw the lines every time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but did you have elastics and knuckle bones? Did, did people have those? What is that? Tell us what that is. Oh, okay. So elastics is just one big, long piece of elastic joined up. Okay. And then, so you have two people standing at each end and they have their feet in the elastic and they pull it tight out. And then the person has to jump over it. And oh. then, then you have kneesies. So you so you move the elastic up to knees and you have to jump over that. And then you have waisties. So you bring the, and then you have underarms and then you have it around your neck and you've got to jump in. You know, so we were pretty good at elastics when I was at Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I can almost probably say that the, that is not allowed anymore. <laughs> I saw elastics at a school I went to last week for relieving. I was like, oh, yes. Oh, oh. Wow, I've forgotten about elastics. Oh, Perfect. that is not. That's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Hope they're being safe out there. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle, for coming to this week's episode of Recess Duty. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss our next episode. I'm Levi Allison, and I hope you have a great day of learning, everyone. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you for listening to Recess Duty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, please share this podcast with other educators so they can join the fun. And that is the end of our Recess Duty.